A couple of weeks ago, I was in Target and I heard this sound that stopped me in my tracks. Louder than I care to show for you this morning, I hear this, Mommy! Mommy! And around the corner comes a manager of Target holding the hand of a five-year-old little girl, give or take five or six. And you could tell in that moment that she was experiencing one of the most awful feelings possible. She had gotten lost in Target, separated from her mom, and was crying out for her. And so I just kind of stood there and watched to make sure everybody would end up okay, and the mom quickly came around the corner, and mother and daughter were reunited, and all was safe. But it took me back to moments in my childhood where I had been lost. You know that sensation that starts to set in when you look around and you realize that your parent, your protector, the person who keeps you safe in the world, your kind of like anchor in the storm is not there and you start to like panic and you start to search around and depending on your age, you're running around looking for faces that look familiar or kneecaps that look familiar, depending on how old you are. I remember this one time I got lost, I think it was Disneyland and uh, just the terror and panic that set in and you start to run around because you don't know what to do. It's it's not all that dissimilar to how survival experts describe people who get lost in the woods. There, there's this loss of incoherence and rationality and logic. And you, just, you start running around, and particularly in cold climates, people who are lost in the woods, they'll just start taking off articles of clothing in strange ways that make no sense to their ability to get themselves out of the situation. There's this sensation that we have as humans when we find ourselves lost that I was reminded of in that experience of that little girl. Maybe the best word that I could describe it with was despair. And I don't think it's just children who are lost from their parents who experience despair. I think despair is something that's probably far more common to each of us than we care to admit. Because despair is brought on by all sorts of things. Sometimes it's brought on by loss and by grief this unbelievable welling of pain and emotion that we don't have language or the ability to get our arms around. Sometimes despair comes when our plan didn't go the way we wanted it to. We find ourselves in the midst of circumstances either of our own doing or someone else's and we never thought we'd be here. It's not how we wrote it. It's not how we expected life to turn up. Maybe it's with a job or a relationship, but all of a sudden life comes at you sideways and you find yourself trying to hold together the pieces of things that you never thought you'd be trying to hold together. Despair happens in lots of ways and it's among kind of the most primal sensations we have as people, but it's also one of the most common. In fact, in scripture, there are frequent moments where people find themselves in despair. And in fact, the Psalms, which is our words back to God, poetry and songs that we write trying to share to God and to others how we're feeling in particular moments are filled with cries of despair, like this one here out of Psalm 130. It says, From the depths of my despair, O Lord, I cry out to you. Just like that little girl in Target crying out, Whether we actually do this in our life, we feel this in our life. And I was thinking back to the times when I had been lost, times that I had gotten separated from a parent. 
And it reminded me, and I don't know if this is what your parents told you, but what my parents told me in those moments, let me just test it out. If you're ever lost, what are you supposed to do? I hear some of you, you're tentative, you don't want to talk out in church, that's okay. My parents told me, you stay put and you ask for help. Stay put and ask for help. Which is really good advice for a a panic-stricken child in the midst of desperation trying to reconnect with the parent that they've been separated from. Why? Because our inclination is to go searching, to run around and to chase and to look and to try to discover for ourselves where our parent is. But in that moment, we know as people who are now adults or have our own children, that that just exacerbates the disconnection and the separation between parent and child. You stay put so only one person is moving, which creates a greater likelihood that the person is found. But I think similar to the despair that we all feel in our lives, we, we tend to forget this guidance and we tend to forget this rule. Because in the midst of despair, typically the last thing that we do is to stay put or ask for help. At least the adults that I know, the ones who show up here at the church or who call or email Staying put and asking for help is typically our last response because we're empowered individuals. We're successful. We're capable. We're autonomous actors and agents in our own life. And so when we feel even the inklings of despair or the resistance to unwanted emotions and sensations and feelings, what do we do? We take action. We try to solve. We try to fix. We try to mend. And if that doesn't work, we try to drown out. We try to numb We try to forget, we try to bury it down deep, and all we do, just like the children who are wandering around the aisles at Target looking for a parent, is we just make it worse. Because that's not the solution to our problem. The solution to our problem is not the search. The solution to our problem is being found, and the best way to be found is to stay put. It reminds me of this story in the Old Testament of a man named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet, and the prophet back in those days served as kind of the mouthpiece for God. And so what would happen with prophets is God would give messages and words to prophets, and it was the prophet's job to enact or to share what it was that God had for the people of Israel at that time. And in this particular instance, uh, God had sent a drought over all of Israel for a long time. And because of that, the king of Babylon, who had occupied Jerusalem in that moment, was furious with Elijah. And in fact, his wife, Jezebel, sent message to Elijah that said, because of the, 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 the drought and the famine, we're going to come after you. We're gonna, we want your life. So in this moment of terror and fear, Elijah flees, and he leaves, and he runs out into the wilderness, and he runs and runs and runs, and for 40 days, he is kind of on the limb until he finally collapses from exhaustion, and he cries out to God, and he says, God, hear me in my despair, not all that dissimilar from the psalm that we read. He says, God, I am desperate, and if And if you won't hear me, just go ahead and take my life. I mean, he is at the lowest point that somebody can get. It's just 
there's no point in living anymore, God. I just, I give up. And in that moment, God invites him and extends an invitation for him to kind of go up into a mountain, into this cave. And so Elijah makes his way into this cave. And maybe you've heard this story before, but this is where we're going to pick up in our scripture. So there Elijah is in the cave, and he's waiting. And he's waiting, wanting to know, is something going to change? Is something going to happen? Will he end up being found and rescued from this pit of despair that he finds himself in? And this is what happens. It says, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Elijah is waiting for God to do something, but the wind comes and doesn't seem to be God. So he keeps waiting. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. In other translations, it describes this as the thin sound of silence. And after the fire came a thin sound of silence. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And what happens next in this moment is in that space and in that silence, Elijah hears from God. And Elijah hears God's kind of rescue plan for Elijah's life, a promise of hope and of redemption and of salvation for Elijah and ultimately for the people of Israel. I think Elijah models for us what we learned as children, but what we've forgotten as adults. When we find ourselves in places where we feel lost, maybe it's because of a breakup. Maybe it's because of a medical diagnosis. Maybe it's because your career has not turned out the way that you thought or this investment didn't materialize the way that you were promised. Maybe you're just navigating a difficult relationship with a family member. Whatever it may be, whatever it is that you feel like you're struggling and losing the battle against, as despair begins to overwhelm us, as we begin to feel more and more hopeless, we do everything but the thing that we should do. We do everything but the one thing that will help us in this moment. We don't stay put and we don't ask for help. And you see, for the last couple of weeks, we have been in the middle of a sermon series called Airplane Mode. And in it, we're just trying to encourage us as a church to institute one practice, just one thing. This isn't a sermon where every week you have three new things that you have to go and do, but in this series, all we want you to do is stay put and ask for help to create a regular rhythm in your life of stillness and of solitude and of silence. This moment where you're apart and alone from everything and before God. Because it's in those moments that we have a chance to hear from God. To be reminded that we're not alone in this. To be reminded that there is hope beyond ourselves. I love the way that author Ruth Haley Barton puts it. She describes it this way. She says, the invitation to solitude and silence is just that. It's an invitation to enter more deeply into the intimacy of relationship 
with the one who waits, just outside the noise and busyness of our lives. This is, I think, one of the things that I struggle with because in this, it's in this moment that I get impatient. I want God to hurry, but God is patient and God is slow and he's waiting for me to slow down and to stop looking and searching for him so that he can find me in that moment and he can find us in that moment because our natural inclinations and our natural tendencies is to go and to be frantic and desperate and to try harder and to do more in all of the ways that we typically use in our lives to be successful. But it's not what we're supposed to do when it comes to despair and when it comes to God. What we're supposed to do, what God asks us to do, what is modeled throughout Scripture, is to stay put and ask for help. Haley Barton goes on. She says, it's an invitation to communication and communion with the one who is always present, even when our awareness has been dulled by distraction. And lastly, it's an invitation to the adventure of spiritual transformation in the deepest places of our being, and in an adventure that will result in greater freedom and authenticity and surrender to God than we have yet experienced. And I think one of the challenges, as we've already named before, is that in this place of waiting, in this place of silence and solitude, we're looking for a magic fix. We're waiting for like a bolt out of the blue, a flash of lightning, something that feels like a magic wand and a silver bullet. Because that's what the world around us promises us. If you take this pill or buy this supplement or wear these clothes or get into this school or have that job, these are magic things that will make your life better. They will rescue you from the nagging despair that you might feel in your life. And as we all know, those are hollow, empty promises. But what God offers us is something totally different. The slower and quieter. And it's the antithesis to the entire way that our world works. Which is why we give up on it quick. It's like the child who's lost trying to take the advice of stay put and ask for help. And so we sit down and we wait. And of course, as you know, with children, time moves really, really, really slow. And so they've been still for 30 seconds. And they ask, is it time yet? You know, it's like the kid in the car. Are we there yet? And it's like, we have not left the neighborhood. I used to get in trouble a lot as a kid, and so I would go to timeout. And I think the timeout, you know, you'd sit in timeout, and it'd be like two minutes, you know, 45 seconds in. Is it time yet? And from the other room, my dad, time just started over. <laughs> that was a frequent conversation we had in our household. But it's hard to be patient when you're children in the same way that it's hard to be patient as adults or adolescents with God. Time moves it's such a brutally slow pace. And so we wait and we pray and we give it over to God and then we listen 
God doesn't seem to say anything, and nothing seems to happen. You check the bank balance, and it's still the same. You check the application pool, and nothing seems to have moved. The next prognosis or health report comes back, and the needle hasn't moved. And so what do we do? We give up. That didn't work. On to the next thing. We get up, and we start looking again. We start searching because we think it's up to us. And I think what God is trying to teach us is that it's the consistent staying put, the patient waiting, and the perpetual asking for help that allows something to change in our life. Again, this is not a magic formula that if you will do exactly as I'm describing, the things that you hope for, long for, are desperate for, will come to fruition or come to pass. It doesn't work that way. If it did, we'd all be billionaires, right? It's not how it works. But something does begin to change. Even if it's not your circumstances, something begins to change in our heart because the stranglehold that desperation has on us, of the fear that it's always going to be this way, or the fear that it'll never be the way that we want, starts to be replaced with a confidence, not in ourselves, not even in our circumstances, but it begins to be replaced after consistently staying put and consistently asking for help. Our confidence begins to shift and be placed in God. So juxtapose this psalm with the one that we read. Out of my despair I cried out to you, O Lord, into this. In silence, my soul waits for you, O Lord. From you alone comes my salvation. This word salvation can be translated a lot of different ways. This is not referring exclusively to some eternal afterlife. In this context, it's about being rescued. It's about being discovered. It's about being found. Another translation has this word salvation signifying healing and wholeness. Everything is made well. Everything is brought back to as it should be. How? Why? In silence and in stillness and in waiting, we're realigned with a deeper trust in God. And then the psalmist ends with this. He says, in silence, my soul waits for you, O Lord. From you alone comes my hope. The confidence in God begins to become a hope in our circumstances. Hope that things may change, even if it's not the way that we want it to. It's a shift from, God, please do this in accordance with my will, to, Lord, your will be done in this. Because ultimately, I trust you. That your plan, even if it's not my plan, and even if I don't understand how your plan is going to work in the moment, God, that I can trust that you're good that you love me and that there is hope in you. This is something that's hard to do, which is why we're spending four weeks talking about the exact same thing. The practice of stillness and silence and solitude in our life. Now, like I shared last week and like Allie mentioned the week before that, the simplest and most direct way to do this is to find 15 to 20 minutes, time that you can protect, whether that's in the morning for you 
or that's in the transition between house and work or work and house or whatever your transitions in your day may look like. But time that you can consistently and reliably stay put, free from all of the distractions and the busyness of the world, and ask God for help. And then just listen and wait. And nothing will happen at first. Nothing's going to happen. And you're going to think you're doing it wrong and it's not working. But you just got to keep waiting. Because it's not time's up yet. You just got to keep going. And from that one practice, you can start to add other opportunities. Beyond this dedicated, protected time. As you're driving in your car, kill the radio, kill the podcast, kill all of the other distractions and noise that you have going on. Use it as a moment to stay put, to ask for help. As you're walking, as you're doing chores around the house, you'll start to notice all of these opportunities to create a moment and where in stillness and in silence you can go before God. And that's what you do when you find yourself lost. So if you're in that season, stay put and ask for help. If you are not in that season, a season like that will be coming. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. And if you know someone who's in this season, as much as you can encourage them, encourage them to stay put, to ask for help. Because it is in God that we do have hope that will be found. Friends, let me close in prayer and we'll invite the band to come out and lead us in one last song. God, in the midst of the despair we find in our lives, from our circumstances to the feelings that swirl just below the surface of our lives. God, help us to find, to find you, to find the confidence, to trust that we can wait for you to show up, to find the hope to know that even if we have to wait longer than we want, that you are reliable and that you are faithful and that you are good. God, help us to make it a priority, to commit to the discipline and rhythm of solitude and silence so that we can place our hope in you. God, we love you and we are grateful for the ways that you love us. And so we give all of this in your name. Amen.